If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, gentlemen, um, we're on the precipice of the month of May, which will mean playoff hockey, which I think all of us are waiting for, and this 56-game grind has been... You know, I mean, at times it's been something where I don't think we thought we were going to get to 56 games. And uh, Kevin, as Russ and I talked about yesterday, when it comes to a team like the Vancouver Canucks having to make up games that are potentially meaningless while the playoffs are going on and the other three divisions or maybe even the other four divisions, I don't know what the purpose of going and playing 56 games is, but that's what the NHL has determined. But I think uh, let's 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 you talk. About, well, let him comment on it if you yeah, want. Yeah, good. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I understand. Uh oh. Mm. Well, anyhow, I'll comment on it. I think it's hard <laughs> for them, and I think it's something they had to do. Go ahead, go. Yeah, you yeah, froze. Okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand why they need to from the the fairness of it all, but you know, it's really becoming almost like exhibition games as the Canucks and Flames yeah. slowly eliminate themselves, you know, from from consideration. So, uh, you know, those aren't going to be very entertaining games, but it's not like they're going to be people there that have to watch them. It'll just, uh, you know, be an extension, but. You know, I think we're going to have some great uh, playoff uh, hockey because there's a lot of animosity built up between the teams, and now oh, we're yeah. going to see them again in the postseason. Yeah, and speaking of animosity, okay, let's start with the North Division where right now the, the Maple Leafs look like they're going to win first place. They have a nine-point lead on Edmonton. Edmonton's got two games in hand, but uh, Toronto has got three games against Montreal, one game against Vancouver, a game against Ottawa, and one at the end of the year against Winnipeg. Um, so their schedule is fairly easy. Um, they started, I think, have to take advantage of the fact that they have this big lead because they uh, started to do what I term as load management yesterday. They sat their top two defensemen in Muzzin and Riley, Nick Felino and Jack Campbell, played a skeleton crew against Vancouver and beat them four to one. So I think the, the Leafs are going to do that. But the the interesting part of that game, and we'll get to the rest of the division in a second, was the fact that Wayne Simmons dropped the gloves with Alex Edler, who had never fought before in his entire NHL career, apparently. Um, and it, this was in response to Edler taking out Zach Hyman a couple weeks ago uh, and injuring his knee. Uh, he got suspended for two games, but and then not that Simmons targeted him but clearly he went behind the went behind the the net he gave him a cross check or two he 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 uh um said let's go and edler dropped the gloves and i think edler knew that that it was coming and 
Simmons cleaned his clock, but it wasn't completely unfair because once he was down on the ice, Simmons stopped punching him. But the reaction from the Vancouver media after the game, Kevin, was like this was an assassination. Well, if if Alex Edler didn't uh, take out Zach Hyman's knee, he, there would have been no need for him to fight. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there'd always been a code that you just didn't fight guys that didn't fight. You know, like right. Uh, and uh, you know, now that just seems like it. It like we don't even have the veil anymore of um, that. You know, this isn't just about uh, retaliation mm-hmm. um, because you know that's what it was. I mean, you got a guy like like everybody knew that he was gonna. Uh, as you said, uh, clean this clock. Like it, it you know, it's it's like saying, you know, you got to pay a price because you injured someone. Now, do it. Does any of us really believe that Edler purposely intended to hurt him? Because I, because I don't. No. Um, I just think it was uh, one of those things in the heat of the moment. And uh, did he do something he shouldn't have? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, sh- should he have probably gotten more than two games? Maybe. Um, but you know, like to have a fight where, you know, you're going to clobber somebody, um, you know, it just, is ridiculous uh, really. And it's not really what we should, uh, be about. Um, you know, and I, I know old school, I'm mostly an old school person, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Just the idea that you gotta make a guy pay so he won't do it again. I, you know. I, I don't th- I don't think Edler would, would do it again. I don't think he intended to do it in the first place. Yeah, I watched it, and there's no question Simmons forced him in the sense that he pushed him two or three times right. and really wouldn't let him skate away. And and that's the part I think Kevin's getting at, and that's what I didn't like. If he wanted to skate away a turtle like a Samuelson, fine. Like an old Samuelson used to do, right. fine. But he didn't have an opportunity to do that. So at that point, he had to fight, right. and that is a forced fight. And, yeah, I get it that Simmons is doing a job, but he didn't have to do that job. That job was unnecessary. Yeah, and somebody somebody made the point, well, you know, Zach Hyman's not a superstar, you know, so there was no – there was no. I mean, well, that's not the – okay, that – That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but Zach Hyman is extremely important to the Maple Leafs' playoff chances, and it was only by happenstance because apparently he – that was the knee that he had an ACL tear a couple years ago. He was wearing a brace on the knee, and if he wasn't wearing a brace on the knee, the extent of that injury could have been a lot more severe – and if he would have been out for the season, um, that would have taken a real big chunk out of the Maple Leafs' playoff chances. So, yeah, I mean, the, cir- the, circumstan- the circumstances are not the best, but I think the hue and cry and the, oh, 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 oh that, that, that went on about that is sort of much ado about nothing. It's like, well, I, mean, I mean, I think there is something in the sense that, like Kevin said, he never had a fight. There's a reason he's never had a fight. He's not a fighter. Yeah. yeah, we don't, you know, that, I mean, the, 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 the human cry should be about that. We really don't need this in the game anymore. Like, right. I, like I'm not offended if two guys drop their gloves and they want to fight. Sure. Uh, that's totally fine with me. But, you know, the retaliation, the fact that Simmons had to go and yeah. you know, protect uh, uh, the honor of the, the team and make sure that guy knew that he shouldn't do that. Well, I, I don't think you really need to do that. This game's a rather intelligent game now, and everybody understands, you know, the ramifications of it. And um, you know, especially when it's a guy that never had fought before. Yeah. And like I said, 
like nobody thought in a hundred million years when that fight started. Well, Edler's a big guy; he'll be able to protect. Right. Him. Yeah. yeah. You know. No, the optics look bad. The yeah, it did. I mean, you, you're 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 hammering on a guy that really has no idea, uh, you know, how to fight or what he's involved in, or like you know, he just because you see fights doesn't right. mean you know how to do it. So, um, so I get it. He I caught him. Upset. He caught him with three or four good shots, and then he turtled, and then Simmons laid off because he knew then it would, be, it would get too much. But anyway, the two, enough about that. I, looking at the division right now, so the Leafs, it, it appears, are going to uh, win the North Division, uh, barring a complete collapse in the last six games and Edmonton going nuts. Um, and it looks as if the first-round match is going to be Edmonton versus Winnipeg, which, Kevin, I don't know if that's good news for the Winnipeg Jets because the Edmonton Oilers have won the last – six games against the Jets. I don't know if regular season means anything, but that's not good news. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it isn't like, you know, it's, it is hockey. So they certainly could, uh, could beat Edmonton. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, um, not a bad matchup for, uh, Edmonton, um, just because they've had so much uh, success against them. Um, but you know, I, I, I just think we're going to see results that we're not counting on uh, just because they played each other so much. Like, you know, they, they, they've, they've lost all those games, but you know, they're sitting around now um, trying to think, okay, how did we lose and what can we do to counteract that, to make it to even the playing field a little bit and they'll figure something out. There'll be yeah. something they'll do that'll, that'll help. And it'll be a different kind of series than the games they played before. And Russ, I mean, the last couple games, Winnipeg has been without Ehlers, and Ehlers has been extremely yeah, important deal. to them. So, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to trying to prognosticate or or, or handicap the, this matchup, but I'm just saying that losing six in a row during the regular season is not a is not optim, an optimum situation for having confidence going into the playoffs against. No, them. but you know what? I think, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, there's a lot of players that are just over this regular season. Like if it ended tomorrow, they would cheer. They would. And just to get to the playoffs because it's been redundant. It hasn't been the kind of travel that they like. And so I think a lot of them are kind of like not intentionally, but just sort of going through the motions, especially these teams that, you know, are just fighting for position and not their playoff lives. Now, the loss of Ehlers is a bigger deal than having having lost six in a row like that. You know, that's, He's an important player on on that team. But, you know, the one advantage that they have, like, you know, we talk about it all the time, but sometimes we just forget it. You know, goaltending is always crucial, and they've got the better goalie in Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, Hellebuck's Vesna Trophy winner. And Mike Smith, and I don't know whether he played in the game last night, but Mike Smith left the ice a couple days ago during a practice and tweaked something. And he's been really good for them, better than I ever thought a 39-year-old Mike Smith would be. But if he's, you know, laboring going into the playoffs and they have to go to Miko Koskin, and then then <laughs> that evens up the score for Winnipeg. Now, listen, but again, I am not going to say I don't know – what the physical condition of Alex Stalock is, but I think if Smith were out, I think they might consider Stalock over Koskinen because they know what Koskinen can't do already. And well, Stalock had a good run last year. He did. Well, I mean, it'd be nice if they get him a game, Russ. I don't think he's. I, know, I don't know why they're not. That that's the part that I don't understand. I, I think it was strictly insurance. That's why I don't think they. Well, I mean, sometimes teams do that, and 
and really shoot themselves in the foot because sometimes, yeah, you, you know what? Just because you have that guy, Koskinen, doesn't mean he's good. It just means he's one less problem to worry about for you because you know what he does or doesn't do. But sometimes you got to, you know, give the other guy a chance. Now I'm I'm not Eck. I'm not Mr. Mathematics when it comes to you know, the, the, the team. These teams are still alive for a playoff spot. I'm the one who you know is the one quick to say it's over. Um, but right now Calgary wins last night. Montreal um, they lost their last game to the Leafs. Montreal has had a horrific schedule in terms of the number of games because they had a couple weeks off because of a co- because of COVID. Um, the Flames are four points behind the Canadians. The uh, the Canadians have a game in hand, so you could say they're six points ahead. Um, that's a sizable lead this late in the season, Kevin, but Montreal's trend seems to be going down, and they have three games next week against Toronto. Uh, Toronto doesn't seem to be letting up off the, off the gas pedal. Do you think this is still a race, first question? Well... I mean, it, 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 we probably should say it is because of those three games against a team that's obviously better than them. But, I, you know, I don't see that Toronto is going to be overly excited about playing those games. No. Um, so that sort of reduces, uh, um, you know, the, the dominance that you would expect, um, you know, from Toronto. But, uh, you know, it's technically still a race. But how many games are left? Um, Calgary has seven games left. Montreal has eight games left. Yeah, I mean, eight games, if they go 500, and um, how many points do they have? Uh, Montreal has 51. Calgary has 47. So if they get, you know, eight points, uh, they'll be at 59. So then Calgary's got to get 12 points out of their last, what, seven games? Yeah. They, they got to go. If, if Montreal goes 500, they've got to, they can only lose one game. I, you know, I don't see that happening. Now I'm looking. I'm just looking quickly at the at the schedules here, and here here's the thing that is potentially it's not devastating, but it's it's going to be a problem for the NHL if it if this happens. Um, Winnipeg, or sorry, <laughs> bless you. Uh, Cal, uh, the the Calgary right now they play Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Vancouver. Four games over the next two weeks. And then they have the three makeup games against Vancouver. If they're still mathematically in the playoff race, Kevin, the North Division has to wait a week until those three games are done to start their their playoffs. That means that the East, the Central, and the West are going to be a week ahead, and that probably means the North Division in some of their matchups are going to have to play back-to-back games or four games in six nights or whatever – that's going to be a big disadvantage for the North Division going down the line because it'll be exhausting. Yeah, um, although we've had uh, other playoff series when teams have had to wait a lengthy time because they've swept and the other one went seven, and sure. we've had, you know, so we have seen that. But I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. I I think this will sort itself out. Unless the only re- way I can see that happen is if uh, Montreal really goes south. Yeah. Right. We don't. Um, but you know, if they just play 500, I think they're they're fine. Yeah, and I think they will. I, I think they'll they'll sort that out too. I have some breaking news. Go ahead. So we know that um, avant-garde Omsk won the uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, the Gagarin Cup. Thank you, Gregor, Yuri Gregarin. However you pronounce it, but he won that in the KHL. 
and they won that. And today, Ilya Kovalchuk terminated his contract. There's a mutual termination. So now it does make me wonder, is he coming back to another team to play a couple of games in the regular season and then the playoffs? And while I'm getting sick of this, uh, it seems like NHL teams aren't. And so now we have to believe he's going to try and do something like well, that. I don't think he can because it's after the trade deadline. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's a UFA. He doesn't have a contract. So he can't, he can't sign and then play in the playoffs. He could sign and finish out the regular season, but he couldn't, I don't think he can play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, okay. I don't, I didn't know if you were coming from the KHL if that were the case. Yeah, it, 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 it's different. It's different if you were, um, uh, what's his name from Nashville, uh, who had an existing contract. That, right, right, right. Not playing for, uh, um, you know what I'm talking about. Radulov. Radulov, yes. It's different if you're Radulov and you had an existing contract or you were an RFA, but if you're a UFA, it's a new contract and you can't sign a new contract and play in the playoffs. So I, it I just makes me wonder. He had a two year deal and then now he's terminated it after winning it all. It does make you wonder maybe what that next step is. Maybe he comes back next year. Maybe there's a team yeah. that maybe he comes to Seattle. You know, he likes coffee. <laughs> Who knows? But just just to finish off the North, uh, so Montreal, they have Winnipeg tonight. They have two games against Ottawa, which are not easy because Ottawa always plays them tough. They have three games against Toronto, and they finish off with two games against Edmonton. So, you know, like you said, Kevin, I don't think Tor Toronto may sit a guy like Matthews or Marner in one of those right. games. So yeah, uh, yeah, but and yeah, um, although that you know that's a tough tough schedule. Like, but you know, in that division, you know, what would be an easy schedule? Like, who could they get that you know? Um, so you know, it's been like this all season for them. So you would think um, they could put together five hundred, and I do believe that will be enough. And I don't. I don't think Toronto is going to do Montreal any favors because they wow. potentially could face Montreal in the first round. And I, even though Montreal has had a, had a up and down year, um, they'll play Toronto tough and it'll be a tough series. But anyway, what's, what's the status of Carey Price? Do we know? It, he's still recovering from the concussion. And uh, I mean, that to me, that's the, they may be playing it very careful, Russ, because they know that their only chance is to have a completely healthy carry price. I mean, I, I would I would rest him as long as possible before trying to get him back. Yeah, actually, he said yes. A couple of days ago, he's undergoing more testing, and things are going in the right direction. Yeah. So, yeah, you're uh, right. They're being just abundantly careful. So, okay, moving to the east, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh have – are tied for first place with 69 points. They both have playoff spots uh, uh, clinched. Although Pittsburgh was the first to clinch, I heard, right? Yes, because the game fit. Their game well, fit. Let's talk about that for a minute because, again, on this show, and not even bringing up X. Here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. Not even doing that. I'm going to leave X name out of it. But just, I just want to say on this show, pre-Hextall, we all thought Pittsburgh might be in a little trouble. I think Kevin included. Because they just came out of the gate so so lousy, and it's been a big turnaround for them this year. And I, I don't think it's all Ron Hextall and Burke. I don't. I do think there was a little spark though when the Flyers didn't, um, when when they basically waved Friedman and they picked them up. The Penguins picked them up and they got a goal out of them and he won a game for them. And and Friedman really hasn't played, but I do think that that helped spark them a little bit. And that was something Hextall did. 
But Kev, something did spark this team because they did they were flat for weeks. Well, I mean, Malkin wasn't playing well. That was really the you know uh, uh, the, the their biggest problem early on. I I think two people are responsible, and they're not Hextall and Burke. Uh, I think it's Crosby and Mike Sullivan. Um, okay. Crosby has been consistent all season long. Uh, you know, I I follow that team pretty closely, and uh, I watch a lot of their games, and I check their summaries, and they've they've uh, Crosby. He's just like money in the bank. He makes yeah. a deposit every yeah. game. He, you know, he gets something. He get, you know, he's created a goal. He's been part of it. Uh, he's he's had a really really strong season. Uh, there's no sign that he's slowing down. He's as strong as he as he was. Um, and Sullivan has done a great job of taking all of those pieces and placing them in on lines and being successful. Like you look at their scoring. I mean, now there's a bunch of guys that you know very little about who have mm-hmm. become important secondary scores for the penguins you know it's not all gunsel and uh you know rust uh doing the mm-hmm. scoring there's just a, a lot of characters on that team now that um, you know produce for it and the defense is uh, uh played well enough the goaltending has been adequate uh, as well and yeah i think jerry's recovered he definitely started out yeah wrong. he started out poorly well uh, that's that's what i was going to bring up i, I just looked up this because remember his save percentage in the first like month of the season was like in the mid 800s it was terrible. yeah i didn't bail yeah. on him though because i knew i had seen enough jerry in the past that i was like willing to ride it out but he's he's 22 9 and 3 save percentage is 9 10 which is about average 2.75 goals against but 22 wins yeah so well that team i still think they only have three home losses Four. No. Four now. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what they've done at home. And and that's going to be a big thing in the playoffs now because. And, and the guy, okay. The guy that we started to say at the beginning of the year was having, you know, was coming to the end of it is Chris Letang. And Chris Letang has got 40 points this year. Yeah. See, I didn't bail on him. I know Eck was bailing on him and. I did not bail on Latang because remember if you if you remember I said look he's not scoring points like he used to but he still was skating well and still was playing well yeah and so I'm not shocked that Latang has 40 points I mean this guy is a Hall of Fame defenseman considering the injuries he's overcome too the cups he's won he he's actually better than Duncan Keith he is I mean there's an argument to be made there they both won there is. They both won three Stanley Cups. I think both of them are Hall of Famers. It's just a question. Yeah. I think Keith. I think Keith might get the the edge because Keith has been more durable. He's been Latang has gone through a series of injuries. Now you could say that well, Latang is still great, and he's gone through that series of injuries. Right. But Keith has been somebody, and you know he's been a minutes eater for most of his career. Where yeah, you know, the last few years have been really marginal. Like right. he's got fifteen points. Like. I, I think I think he's I think he's coming I think he's coming to the end of it. I mean, you know, I think he'll probably I don't know if he'll finish out the contract, but um, okay, but hopefully. Hold can on, I, so there's sure. 625 points for Duncan Keith, and there is 577 for Chris Letang. Now Letang's played 858 games. And Keith has played eleven hundred and eighty-eight games. Okay, so Keith, so Latang is going to have a better point per game percentage. This is the old Mario Gretzky thing, where Mario was always the points per game guy, 
And and Latang clearly is that guy. And let's just see, average time on the ice for his career for Chris Latang, 24 minutes and a, and one second. For Duncan Keith, 24-58. Those are two two grinders, man. Yeah, Kevin, what we were talking about is it, it, there was a lot of chatter at the beginning of the year that Chris Letang was pretty much done. Uh, and, you know, how, how can they get out of his contract and things of that nature? And you look at the stats right now, and he's got 40 points. He's one of the top scoring uh, defensemen in the NHL, and it's just like you know, it's Chris Letang. He just keeps he just keeps coming back. And I, and I came up with the with the argument, Kev. I actually think Chris Letang's better than Duncan Keith. I do, and I think it's close. Of course, it's close, but I do think he's better, and I think he's overcome more, and he's still better at this stage of his career where Keith is, you know, really marginal at this point. Well, I, I think Duncan Keith's had a better year, too, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I agree with you that uh, Tang is better at this stage of his career. He hasn't lost as much no. um, as, as Duncan Keith has, um, and to be sure. Um, both are Hall of Famers. Like, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. No, no, that, that's right, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, Latang has been, uh, you know, played a you know a big role. The only thing about him is he's, he's become uh, – uh, and this has been going on for several years now. He, he's a little fragile in terms of his yeah. ability to stay healthy. Yeah. He well, here's an interesting one, too, just for the for the guys in the chat room saying that Keith is better in his own own, own zone. Keith has more giveaways in his career than Chris yeah. Letang. But but Russ, early in his career, he was a he was a Jake Gardner like giveaway machine. It was only Fair, but it's still your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only after a few years when he sort of calmed down his game in his own zone did Keith become the, the – No, yeah. I know, but I can't take that away and say, no. well, he eliminated that. He still did that. Yeah. But I just want to point out that, yes, yeah. he was better for those peak years in his own zone, but not for his whole career. Yeah. And, and they so were both – I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. They both have been so important to their teams, like, you know, to compare the two. Did you hear the time on the ice for the career, Kev? Did I – No. Did what you, is it? I'm curious. It's 24-01 for, for – Latang and it's twenty four fifty eight for Keith, which is just unbelievable. Well, yeah. that that the last the last Blackhawk Cup victory when he was playing thirty, they they were playing with three defensemen and they were playing thirty minutes a night. It was Yarmolson, Seabrook, and Keith, and three and three guys you, you could barely you know what Kimo Timonen and played like eight minutes a night. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I remember uh, talking to uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, this was. Uh, several years ago uh, about uh, fancy stats, advanced stats, um, and about Corsi. And um, he was talking about it. And I said, well, you know, what's your take on it all? He goes, well, here's my take. He says, how many times in my career have I been on the ice, Chris Letang takes the puck from behind the net, skates all the way up into the zone. We're all skating with him. He goes in, he goes around the net, comes back, shoots a puck on, on the net. None, no one else is on the ice has touched the puck. We all skate back to the bench and, I'm a positive Corsi because I was on the ice. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. <laughs> and, and both of us just started laughing uh, yeah. just because it's, uh, you know, it's just so true. Um, um, now, the interesting thing, in the, and the Flyers were uh, mathematically eliminated. Yes, yeah, I have a few so, things about that. So, so Ak can't hold on with his fingernails for the, those, play, those playoff opportunities. But the interesting thing here, Kev, is, I mean, there's no point – uh, debating on what the matchups are going to be because the top four in the East are within five points of each other. So yeah. any any combination. But, uh, you know, I don't say this with any particular glee, 
with, for Russ, but Russ has been uh, talking about the fact that the Rangers are out of it. And last night, I think, was one of the nails in the coffin as the Islanders shut them out for nothing. And this is nothing against the Rangers because I think they've, they, they've you know really had a great year. What's killed them is the long injury to Truba. And the and the long absence of Panarin, and if either one of those didn't happen, they might be tied with Boston right now. Yeah, and don't we all agree that they they they? I mean, there's so much similarity between the uh, the danger factor of the four teams that are going to make the playoffs. But I think the Rangers are right in there as well. Like yeah. I, I think you could have plugged them in for any of the four, and mm-hmm. we'd have the same dangerous. Uh, type playoffs in terms of everyone being able, capable of beating everyone else. I'll talk about the Ranger Islander first because I've watched a, a bajillion of those games in my life, attended as a fan, attended as media in New York, out of New York, well, out of New York watching. Um, and here's, so here's the thing. So I looked at it and the reason I had told Eck there was no way the Rangers could sweep this series was because I knew how Trotz would play this. I knew he would play physical. I knew he would play his his um, veteran goalie, which he did. He played Varlamov, who got a six shutout, leading the league. I also knew they would come out like gangbusters, and they had a 2 nothing lead after the first period. He knew, Trotz knew, listen, the Rangers are still a young team. They don't have as much pushback. And he knew he could get his team rolling if they played the right way early in that. Got that going. And... By the time Barzell scored that empty netter, the Rangers were really defeated. Like, even Zabanajad had this really defeated look. After the game, David Quinn is like, look, um, this is good experience for us, but we have to, you know, the players have to be able to win these kinds of games. It's almost like Quinn put it on the players, like, hey, you know, this team is really young, and so they don't know how to win. But it's like, hey, you're a coach. You're supposed to help them do that. And he seemed to disassociate himself from that quote yesterday and it really angered the fan base and i get it because the last thing the ranger fans want to see is getting your season dashed by the islanders i get it i've been there i've been there in stanley cup playoffs i i know what that's like but i'm just saying i knew the islanders were not going to fold in this situation and i knew they would rely on their veterans the other thing and kev you could comment on this too with shesterkin hey he's a terrific goalie but he hasn't even played like 70 NHL games yet. And I had mentioned a week ago this compacted schedule with him playing a lot of games down the stretch was going to take a toll on him, and, and it has. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I mean, the uh, experience factor for a goalie, um, you know, just learning the grind of um, how to pace yourself and how to ready yourself for the long season. And, like, it took Henrik Lundqvist a while to yeah. kind of sort that all out. Like, you know, it just at one point, I think for him, the light bulb went on and he learned, you know, what he needed to do in order to um, play. And then there was, you know, remember late in his career, he kind of fought the idea of playing fewer games. And, um, well, you know, that's all involved in the psyche of being a goalie and trying to figure it all out. And uh, Shesterkin is just not even two steps into this process yet. You know, he's just starting to look down the path. You know, he has right hasn't been on the path long enough. So, um, you know, not that uh, he bears any responsibility for them being no. home, but, but, uh, uh, cause I think it was the factors that, that, uh, Mike spoke to. Um, but they're, they're a really good team. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm behind the idea that, uh, 
uh, as well that Adam Fox deserves to have Norris consideration. I, I agree. A lot of their games, you know, he's certainly in the mix uh, uh, for that. Um, and uh, you know, I really like this team moving forward. Boy, they got well, a lot, 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 lot going on. A yeah, lot. Fox won the Steve McDonald Award, which was a big deal on the team. So that's that's something, uh, Mike. As far as the Flyers go with their elimination, right? So yeah. a couple things happened yesterday that really ticked them off. Apparently, the Eagles traded up a couple of minutes before the Flyers were eliminated. And because there is such an inferiority complex in the city with any team versus the Eagles, that was a factor. So the Eagles still had the spotlight, and then the Flyers got eliminated, right? So that that annoyed fans. And, and then Harley Vigneault annoyed the fans because he talked about how the penalty kill is young, and he had to work in players that didn't have a lot of penalty kill experience. Now – I don't think that's a shot at the young players. I think that's a shot at Chuck Fletcher when they let Tyler Pitlick go because Tyler Pitlick did not sign for a lot of money. Tyler Pitlick, I think, signed with Arizona for like a million and a half bucks. Yeah. Let me, let me, a very valuable player for them. Let me me raise this question though. Like, um, let's start talking about blame here. And I know uh, Carter Hart is going to, uh, um, bear some responsibility just because he yes. just had such a poor season. But, you know, he's a young player. Like, I think it's, uh, uh, I don't know, excusable is the wrong word, but maybe a little expected uh, that right. a goalie that young wasn't going to be a, you know, perfect climb to the top. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure people are giving, passing enough blame on this to, Fletcher. Uh, I agree they're not, and that's why I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, uh, Fletcher really has not, um, made the moves, uh, especially early in the season where it was pretty clear that the defense wasn't good enough. Right. Well, so here's my thing with Fletcher, Kev. Like we talked about what didn't happen over the summer with Niskanen. That's fine. Right. But there was a point like six weeks ago when the Flyers were still in the playoff contention. But the defense was failing, failing to the point where I even said on the show, hey, they've got to at least get a physical defenseman that can clear the crease and help Carter Hart out. So maybe this could help because they're not getting the top four. We knew that. And he didn't do it, Kev. He kind of just sat back. He made phone calls. He said he was making phone calls. But my answer to that is, and you would probably agree, this is your job. And if you have to overpay to get that to fix your problem, you're better off fixing the problem than just telling everybody you couldn't do it, but we're trying. Yeah, well, and if he had done it early enough, they could have made the playoffs. I mean, right. still, it was the same team that we saw in like the se- season before, with the with a couple of exceptions that he should have dealt with. And if you didn't want to pay this, pay the price for David Savard, you know, the big the big price mm-hmm. that, that that Tampa Bay, then look at what Nashville. And I'm not saying Erica Branson is a top four defenseman because he's a bottom pairing guy, but look at the, the it was I think it was a fifth round pick for Erica Branson. Right, it definitely could have helped. Is it ideal? Help? No, but he would have blocked shots. And so, yes, I think anything would have helped him, but it wasn't going to help him at the deadline because at that point it was too far gone already. That was one where he had to be more like a Rutherford or something and react quickly and just get something done. There were some moves made. It wasn't like all GMs couldn't do anything. One note, one more note on the East, then we'll get the other two divisions before we end the show. Um, After horrendous year in Buffalo, Minus 21, two goals in 37 games. In 10 games of the Boston Bruins, five goals, three assists, eight points, plus nine for Taylor Hall. 
That's good that, for my fantasy team. That, that, that in and of itself is not is not going to cleanse his reputation. If he scores in the playoffs, I think it will. But this has gone a little this has gone a, a little bit, Kevin, towards I think you know, burgeoning his reputation because and saying that the 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 stench of Buffalo and what happened in that year under Ralph Kruger was not all Taylor Hall's fault. He, well, yeah, I never thought it was, but um, it, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Um, you, you know, I mean, we had not seen the MVP Taylor Hall since his MVP season, right? Um, and I think uh, everyone wondered what it would look like when he played with a you know, good team um, mm-hmm. because he hadn't played with a good team, you know. Um, even in Arizona, certainly, um, you know, he wasn't. Uh, um, you know, playing with a, with a good team. So I, I, I think he's done what he, he needed to do. And I agree with you. He needs to have a good playoff for sure. Yeah, I think he's fitting in there and they're going to try and slide him in to some sort of contract. And that may be a really good fit for everybody. And it really could help um, bring Hall's career back to where it was. Now we can go through the West really quick, quickly because there's really no race there other than Colorado and Minnesota battling for uh, home ice advantage, which you know, honestly in this playoff, I don't know. I know that there'll be some fans in some of the U.S. markets, but like in the North Division, home ice is almost meaningless. It's just simply the fact of whether you're staying at home or you're or you're you're playing you're living in a hotel. Uh, but it's it's virtually meaningless. But in the West, Vegas is leading by six points over Colorado and Minnesota. Uh, St. Louis is in fourth place. They have a five point lead on on the on the Coyotes. So right now it looks like Kevin Vegas versus St. Louis, which would be a very interesting matchup, especially Alex Petrangelo playing against his former team and the and the Abs and the Wild, which I think will be a tough matchup for Colorado. What do you think of those two matchups? Well, you know, I I, I think. Um... We probably have not given uh, enough attention to Vegas this season. Uh, I agree. I think everyone mostly, you know, has talked about Colorado. I mean, we were aware. I think that Vegas was there doing it uh, consistently well all season long. But it's only been in the last two or three weeks that I think all of us have looked and said, you know, if you compare those two teams, there's a lot of similar similarities, except that Vegas has better goaltending. And even when Grubauer comes back, Vegas still has better goaltending. Um, and uh, you know that uh, that that big win the other night and the showdown. Now, obviously, Grubauer wasn't there, but uh, you know it just kind of shows that you know this Vegas team is very good, and they've got. Well, all- they are. We we talked about that game, and Vegas was impressive during that game, Kev. And I I didn't even blame it on on Dubnik. There were some other things that happened. Um, some dumb play. I'm surprised Mike wasn't on top of this by Nazem Kadri. Um, but he, you know, this year his his faceoff percentage has dipped. I I think he is has gone back to um, having some bad penalties at bad times where I don't think he could do that in the playoffs for them. And he hasn't produced the way they need him to produce in the regular season. They need a better Kadri in the playoffs for sure to be successful. And that's something that, that showed in that one. Yeah. We, um, we know we can always depend on Nazem Kadri in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. But, well, the, the loss of Brandon Saad, I think is also significant. Yes. Uh, you know, he's scored 15 goals this season and yeah, he had a really good year. He, 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 he had a nice bounce. I mean, he's done better than I thought he would have. That's for sure. He's had a nice, uh, a nice run there. So you're right. That was a big deal. 
But I also mentioned that the big guys were playing really well. Stone was playing well. Pacioretty was playing really well. And when you have to face these guys in the playoffs, they are going to grind you down. They're a big physical team, and they are hard to keep these guys out of the crease. And they do have physical forwards that play defense too. So they are going to be a factor. And Flurry is rounding into playoff uh, condition now too as far as how he's playing. He's looking good. The only thing I would say from the Colorado perspective is there were dimes in that game when Colorado just owned the puck. Yeah. And, and uh, you saw that. And I think that, you know, they're capable of doing that. Um, and But, you know, they're going to have to really turn it up a notch because uh, right now, uh, you know, if I, if I was picking today, I would pick Vegas to beat Colorado in seven games. Yeah. yeah, and I can't argue with that. I do agree with you. I think they need to light a fire under them. I will say Dean Evison, though, said something yesterday um, about Erickson Eck and how he's been a beast lately. And that's the Erickson Eck that I saw before he got to the NHL. And it just took a while because the way he played his game, he wasn't physically strong enough. There was probably had to be, he had to learn how to be more aggressive offensively. But the last season and a half, he has really figured that out and become a terrific player and an important player for them. So between that and Kaprizov and good enough goaltending, they are a dangerous team. There's no question. And, you know, when you got guys like Suter, I, 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 do think they could give everybody trouble. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be a walk for Colorado no. in the first round. And and you know Vegas right now they're peaking at the right time. They've won ten yeah. games in a row, and they've got a plus sixty goal differential. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's nuts. Um, okay, moving on to the Central. Um, Carolina. Florida and Tampa all won yesterday. Um, they're all within three points of each other, but I think Carolina has the advantage, Kevin. They have 50 games. They have six games left, and they're up by uh, – they have two games in hand on Florida. Uh, they're even with Tampa, but they're three games uh, – three points up on Tampa. So, you know, again, Carolina, if they go 500, they probably win the division, and I'm sure that's what they want because they want Florida and Tampa to beat the crap out of each other. Well, and I, you know, no one will say this publicly, but you want to play Nashville too. Uh, or, well, or Dallas. Or Dallas. Dallas, but I, Dallas, I think, can make it. Yeah, they, they could, but, they, you know, they haven't really performed. No. Yeah, taking advantage of the fact they've had those games in hand and, you know, they well, really haven't made, they haven't made a move. Well, they might. What if Tyler Sagan comes back for those last, like last three games? What would you say then? Well, I mean, I think he, I think he is going to come back, but I, I still, I mean, they have a shot. I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, but yeah. they, they just haven't. Like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to make a move, right? And no, I know. Really- you know what? I, I will say their their goaltending has been good though. Kudobin has been better than I thought he would be, and Ottinger has become everything I thought he would be. So that's a hell of a tandem that they have there. Even well, if it wins the number they, one, it, it has it hasn't been enough. They're a really good defensive team too. Yeah. Right. Well, they and, but but they just haven't been able to close the gap. Now Dal- Dallas and Nashville play on Saturday. That's the last head-to-head matchup against. That's a biggie. Yeah. Uh, but after that, Dallas has five games remaining: Florida, Tampa, Tampa, and two against Chicago. That's not easy. No. Um, Na- I'm just checking Nashville's now to see what their schedule is, and sorry about this, just trying to do this on the fly, Nashville Predators, there we go. Of course, my phone locks up, so, well, I'll try it. Time for a new phone, Mike. (laughs) Thank you, Rasa. I'll contact you. By the way, how much are phones? You know, I was watching a commercial, 
And I, you know, I never pay any attention to all these phones. And the commercial says they'll give you a thousand dollars off. <laughs> if they give you a thousand off, like how much are? The well, this this phone, this is a two year old phone, and when I paid for it, it was a thousand dollars. So they, you had to, you had to break it, break it up in a twenty four month installment. Um, yeah, my my phone was a bargain, Kev. I think it was on sale for about six hundred. This iPhone twelve mini that I have. Um, and I think that was a bargain at six hundred. So yeah, I after, it was about six hundred to six or seven. Yeah. After <laughs> after the head to head matchup against Dallas, uh, Nashville plays four more games: two against Columbus, two against Carolina. So I would say theirs is a little easier than Dallas's, but Dallas has got the game in hand, so it could go down to the last the last night. So yeah, who do we think? I mean, I'm going to ask Kevin this: playoff start. Who's the goaltender for Carolina? Uh, it'll be Morozik. They will be, right? Okay. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, they've got options. But the only thing is, is he's a little banged up. Yeah. But I think I, my impression is is that uh, Brendan Moore just favors him. Uh, he's, uh, I think the guys like playing for him. Right. Well, I'm actually writing a story about that because um, I just talked to Don Waddell this morning about, uh, you know, how they feel about it. Uh, and uh, But, you know, we'll wait and see. Uh, you know how it breaks out. Yeah. Now, Kev, I wanted to get your uh, input and opinion on the uh, big news of the week, which was the uh, the new television contract with the NHL with uh, Turner and uh, TNT and TBS, a seven year deal, which is going to net the NHL about I think I think it said two hundred and twenty five million per year. So that group that contract along with the ESPN contract basically increases the U.S. deal to $650 million, I think it was, and that's three times what they were making from NBC. But the concern that Russ and I had was the lack of a, you know, major network presence for the Stanley Cup final. I mean, we think it's going to be on ABC for yeah. ESPN, but, but there's no major uh, network aspect with Turner. It's going to be on TNT, and so is the uh, the Winter Classic is going to be on TNT. Yeah. Well, you know, that you know, those are all issues to consider, but, you know, I, that this is a deal that you couldn't refuse. Um you know, it's just much more money than they were getting before. And clearly, NBC didn't step up because I think up until the last weekend, there were at least, uh, well, I'm sure of this, there were uh, NBC folks that thought the NBC was still in it. Um, I think they were offended, Kev. I think when they lost out to ESPN, they didn't want to give the kind of money that uh, the NHL was searching for because they wanted to be the number one. I don't think they ever wanted to be the number two to ESPN, not seriously enough, anyhow. Well, and I think the the death knell to me uh, was when they announced that the NBC Sports Network wasn't going to exist anymore. Right. Well, where, where were we going? Uh, right. You know, and, you know, that's the, the only thing I would say, too, is, uh, and, and we've all forgotten this, but when we were on ESPN last time, um, the, the chief complaint was that we were second and third fiddle right. all the time. And uh, and you know I don't care about Sports Center. People talk about Sports Center. I could care less about no, that. No, I don't care about it either. But but it was what it was is you didn't never you never knew when NHL Tonight was going to be on or if it was going to be on and if it was going to be on what time was it going to be on. Right. There was so much inconsistency you couldn't count on it, uh, and it was just sort of hard to uh, feel like they cared about hockey. So we end up with NBC. 
And, uh, you know, they made us an important part of their new sports network. They did. And we had consistency there all the time. And, you know, you can nitpick with some of the things that NBC did. Uh, but basically, they took care of the sport for a lot of they years. Did. Yeah. And, uh, they were important. They were important to NBC. Uh, you know, they got the, the Sunday afternoon spots and Saturday yeah. afternoon spots. And they got to consistent. All the playoff games were on. Um, you know, they moved mountains to make sure of all that. Um, Eddie Olchek was a, a great analyst, a lead analyst. Mike Kemrick was the best. Mm -hmm. So they did a lot of good things. And now we have a lot of unknown. So they're going to get hey, a lot There's of three things, Kev, that keep popping up for me. And people message me. The first one is, like, even a great hockey fan messaged me, like, I think I'm going to have trouble. I'm a cord cutter. I think I'm going to have trouble finding certain games. And I think he's right. Yeah. Um, also, I worry about um, – how TBS will will cover the Winter Classic. That is not easy to do. Yeah. Basically, NBC created how to cover that. And you could say, well, we're going to hire the, some of their people, and that's fine, but you know there's always loyalty from within, so there could be some hiccups in actually the coverage of the outdoor coverage of that game, how they film it. That's a little bit of a worry. And the other thing that, that sort of made me laugh, Kev, some fans were like, well, hold look, we're going to get um, the road to the Winter Classic back because HBO Max is in it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not so worried about the coverage, the the show that leads into the game. I Who want cares? The, I want the game to be good. I don't care about the other. Well, game. I mean, I I like a good pregame show, and I think they'll do a good yeah. job on that because they do a good job with basketball. So, but but this is the, this is my concern, Kevin, and more on the ESPN side than, than on the on on Turner uh, because yeah, Turner. I mean, I think. I mean, I'm a little concerned about the three years that the Stanley Cup final will be on TBS or TNT and people being able to watch it. But with, with ESPN, they're not going to be second fiddle. They're going to be fourth fiddle because yeah. because ESPN when the when the NHL was on ESPN, I don't believe, I think they were just starting out the MLB contract. I think they were just getting into the NFL. They didn't have the NBA at that time. Uh, and they were at, at that point they were they were moving NHL games to ESPN two, which had I think like sixty five percent of the cable markets, whereas ESPN had ninety five. Right. Um, you know, I'm hoping that the NHL got some sort of guarantee that the games will be on ESPN uh, proper and not ESPN two or something else, because then they're not going to get the eyeballs. That, that that contract is heavily on ESPN plus, so they're they're hoping for you know the streaming aspect. But they're going to be second fiddle to the NBA because the NBA is on NBC, ABC, and on ESPN at the same time. And you're going to—I seriously doubt if the NBA final is at the same, you know, the same part of uh, June as as the NA, as the Stanley Cup final. That ABC is going to go NBA final, Stanley Cup, NBA final, alternating every day. The games are going to be on ESPN while the Stanley, while the NBA final is going to be on ABC, and that is being made second fiddle. Yeah, the the only thing I would say too is, is though that, that we got to factor in that ESPN is fighting its own battle for relevancy, right? And uh, because of that, I think they'll be a lot more careful with uh, all of their sports now because um, you know. They've got their own issues, and I, I think they're in a much. They were an eight hundred pound gorilla uh, last time. Uh, yeah. they, they were there. Uh, right now, they're a wounded gorilla. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of people under thirty don't watch. Uh, the issue about not finding games. 
I think that's mostly an older people's thing. Like, no, the corn cutters are worried because. Well, I, you know, I've talked to my 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 adult uh, children. I find it just so amusing that I can't find things, and they walk they walk in and say, you know, they give me my flicker and they say, right. say what you're looking for into the, your voice, right. <laughs> it'll show right up, and I'll be damned. That's exactly what happens. So, <laughs> you know, even my wife will do that to me. You know, when I can't seem to find something, she says, say exactly what you're trying to find into that voice thing. And lo and behold, you know, so there it is. So, all right. Uh, great, great job, guys. Um, we'll oh, be Mike, for one, one minute, I know Kevin's got to go at 11, but for one minute, I'm going to answer the question about Tim Tebow. That's Urban Meyer doing him a favor. He's not an NFL tight end, never will be an NFL tight end. He's an old guy that's trying to get back into football. He's not going to make it. And and for for all three of us who have been at NHL drafts and we've complained about the sort of the lack of pace of the NHL draft and how it's ten or fifteen minutes. I mean, it's gotten oh. it's gotten better over the years, but nothing is more dreadful than than sitting in a sitting in a bar watching the NFL draft and and this fifteen minute lead up and just also these guys can walk down an aisle wearing the worst tuxedos I've ever seen in my life. Some guys weren't even wearing socks. Like to me, no, there were capri pants. Whatever. Oh God! Oh no, Mike! Don't go down that aisle, or I'll be talking about you the way I did Russ, the only man I've ever heard criticize another man's pants. You did, <laughs> you did you ever do that? I tell that people to everyone. I said, Have you ever in your life heard any man criticize someone else, another man's pants? And they go, No, no, no. I said, I got one, hey. and, and he was an NHL player. And, and I'm going to go down that path with you. I'm going to go down that path with you, Mike. Yeah, you started talking about their pants. <laughs> for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen, I'm Mike Lagello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. And Capri Pants were really terrible. <laughs> Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.